0: Hello and welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS and C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. I'm a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. It's two years since the National Security and Investment Act came into law. That's the legislation for takeovers that could harm national security. And its influence is being felt in the UK's newspaper industry currently, with the attempted purchase of the Daily Telegraph's parent company. In this episode, we're looking at what's changed with the new law and how things could evolve further with an ongoing review, plus a general election expected during 2024. I'm joined by Wahida Ahmed, who is a reporter on Merger Market and PAR, and by Jacob Parry, who is the Chief Regulatory Correspondent for Merger Market and PAR. Hi, Wahida. Hi, Jacob. Thanks very much for joining me. Hi, Juliana.
1: Hi, Juliana. Thanks for having us.
0: So, Wahida, starting with you, can you begin by a brief introduction for those people unfamiliar with it of the National Security and Investment Act?
2: When and why was it introduced, and what kind of sectors does it apply to? Of course, uh, the NSIA, which took effect in January 2022, allows the government to scrutinise and intervene in certain acquisitions that could harm the UK's national security. The rate of intervention has been low. The scope of the regime is broad, which can create uncertainty and cause unnecessary filings to be made. Generally, the NSIA has not been sensational as the interventions have been rare. Some acquisitions fall into the 17 sensitive areas of economy, which trigger mandatory notifications. And these include advanced materials, communications, defense, military and dual use and the transport sectors.
1: Amongst many others. I mean, I think, Juliana, what what's worth keeping in mind with the UK regime is that when it was introduced, it was really seen by legal advisors as perhaps the most expansive of scope in Europe. And two years later, what we can see from the level of intervention of the UK government is while there are a lot of sectors that the UK government can look at when it comes to actual interventions, the rate is not as worrisome as maybe some legal advisors initially laid out um, back when um, the act was tabled.
0: And it was introduced for specific geopolitical reasons?
1: Yeah, effectively. I think along with the regimes that we've seen in the con- on the continent as well, uh, where there's been a hardening since the late 2010s, it's been... I think we can say primarily the rise of of China and and disease in particular with Russian inbound investment that have driven these regimes. And I don't think the UK regime is any different in that respect. If you look at the cases where the UK government has intervened, they primarily involve either Russian or Chinese state-backed investments into the United Kingdom.
2: And the UK and other countries almost became somewhat protectionist Uh, post-pandemic. So certain sectors, it was important for governments to protect and continue protecting. Great, thank you.
0: And we're going to come on to the current cases in a moment, but could you now talk through the few deals that have so far in the past two years required intervention? Neither of the deals are particularly straightforward, and I'm keen to focus more on the current cases. So if you could keep this reasonably brief, please.
1: I think that should be quite easy, Juliana, because there aren't that many cases. Uh, The two most significant ones where we've seen intervention since the regime came into effect were Letter One's uh, acquisition of UPP or UP uh, in 2021, um, a company in the broadband ecosystem. There, the UK government did not like the fact that Letter One, which is a Luxembourg uh, registered fund, that it's ownership was murky and may have had connections to some Russian oligarchs. That asset as of September has now been sold to Virgin uh, or to VMO. 2 The second case, which was quite high profile, was the sale of the Newport Wafer Fab, uh, a maker of wafers, a component that goes into semiconductors. It was proposed that it would be sold to Nixperia, the Dutch base, but ultimately Chinese owned semiconductor firm. This sale attracted a lot of interest and we did ultimately see the UK government intervene. Uh, Only a few weeks ago, uh, did we finally get a tie up to all this when the plant was sold to an American investor. So few cases, but as you can see, when these cases come up, particularly when they involve Russian or Chinese buyers, they tend to get a lot
0: of heat. Great. Thank you. And thank you for keeping it short and sweet. So I'd like to look now at the two cases that are in the spotlight. Let's start with the one that's been hitting the headlines recently. That's the sale of the Daily Telegraph. It's a pretty complicated situation. The Daily Telegraph is the UK one of the UK's right-leaning newspapers. And there's a kind of for sale process which has happened over the ownership of The Telegraph and its sister publication, The Spectator, because the business behind it, The Telegraph Group, was put into receivership by Lloyds Banking Group. Now, the previous owners, the Barclay family, they're now trying to buy the business back with a consortium called Redbird IMI. That consortium headed up by former CNN President Jeff Zucker. And crucially, it's got the financial backing from Abu Dhabi. So can you explain what's happened with this case and how it's fallen foul of the National Security and Investment Act, please?
1: I don't think you could have made up a better case for a national uh, security screening investment uh, regime than a... Newspaper that's so central to UK politics potentially going to a Gulf investor. So this is a case, that, as you mentioned, that has drawn a lot of scrutiny, uh, not just in the, the, the most recent iteration of the sale of, of of the transaction, but going back to when Lloyd started looking at an auction, and when it was screening different bids, we saw a number of which. Uh, had, um, for example, the um, DMGT, uh, which which has the Daily Mail, that bid would have involved Qatari investors. Ultimately, that bid collapsed, or the version of it that was proposed collapsed, because there was concern about the uh, about the Qatari uh, um, uh, influence uh, that could result from the transaction. So. That's the lead up to the most current development. The most current development is that we saw the uh, UK government issue a public intervention notice uh, last week, uh, effectively calling in the transaction. When you speak to Redbird or to the people uh, associated with the bid. They tend to say that there's no precedent for a sort of debt transaction, Reminder that this is not a sale, this is not an acquisition, this is uh, just effectively buying back the outstanding debt um, um, uh, uh, that the Barclays family has. They say that there's no precedent for that, Uh, and then B, that this does not fit in the scope of, of the UK security screening regime Ultimately, the the UK took a different. The UK government took a different opinion and has decided to intervene. Which way the UK government goes, uh, let's see. There is a, a very tight timetable on this, and from um, uh, from from what we know, Redbird, which uh, has the backing of um, an Abu Dhabi based media investments fund, is more or less forcing the government's hand to intervene. The sale or the debt transaction will go through fairly quickly. I think that we will find out in the coming weeks the the extent to which the UK government really wants to get involved. And I don't think that uh, uh, having plenty of quite angry Conservative MPs will do any favours to the parties involved.
0: Yeah, and we're going to come on to the politics a bit later on. But Wahida, coming back to you... Uh, We'll look at the other case that's ongoing in relation to the National Security and Investment Act. And that's another strategic industry, telecoms and mobile. That's the case of Vodafone UK's proposed merger with the three-parent company, Hutchison 3G. It's another complicated deal. Could you outline what the concerns are with this case in relation to security
2: and explain where things stand with it, please? So the communication sector, which is one of the mandatory notifiable sectors under the NSIA, is on the government's radar due to high-profile transactions, such as the proposed merger of Vodafone and Three, which is owned by C.K. Hutchinson, um, which is a Hong Kong-based company. The government could lower the threshold for deals being called, called in due to concerns around national security. However, as Hong Kong-based C.K. Hutchinson is diluting its ownership and possibly exiting the business entirely, this might take out any potential national security risks. Unite the Union has voiced concerns regarding C.K. Hutchinson's ties to the Chinese government, um, but these are competition concerns. um, And as we're on competition concerns, um, MPs have also voiced Um, some worries relating to um, merger-related price increases for consumers. Just to add into the mix
0: another complicating factor, there is a review of the National Security and Investment Act. The business secretary, Oliver Dowden, said that this is to pare back the act and make it more business-friendly. Can you explain the timeframe of that review? Tell us what it's about and why it's happening.
2: Of course. So in November, the UK government launched a call for evidence that will run until the 15th of January to get feedback from market participants on the current NSIA regime. The regime is hoping to be more business friendly. The review could lead to exemptions for internal reorganisation and clearer definitions of the scope of the sectors and or further expansion of certain sectors that are subject to notification. Sectors that could be tightened include AI and military. And according to sources, the Act has added extra costs and led to cautious filing practices. In situations that are not black and white, clients will err on the side of caution and make a filing to avoid potential fines and actions from the regulator.
0: Okay, thank you. Now, linked to that and kind of running through all of this is the fact that there's a general election on the horizon that's most likely going to take place in 2024. How could that impact any changes to how the UK reviews deals that are potentially a national security risk?
2: So the current Conservative government is required to call a national election by January 2025 at the latest, Uh, but expectations are that British citizens will be heading to the polls in the spring of next year. Lawyers expect few changes to the country's approach to national security screening should there be a change of government. Core objectives wouldn't be changed under Labour government. Changes to primary legislations are unlikely in the short term, also under a Labour government. But any decision to amend the NSIA will likely be influenced by increasing geopolitical tensions.
1: I, I think in summary, not much. As you can see, when you look at the uh, pronunciations that have been made concerning uh, the relationship, the economic relationship between China and the United Kingdom, between R- Russia and the United Kingdom, those tend to be points of consensus uh, uh, across the UK political spectrum. What could be different uh, uh, could be, I mean, we'll take it for example: the the sale of the Telegraph. something that is uniquely tied to Conservative Party politics? Would we see the same dynamics or the same same willingness to intervene under a Labour government? Perhaps that's not so clear. I think another aspect worth taking into account, we have seen the other uh, pillar of merger control in the United Kingdom, the UK Competition and Market Authorities, Uh, merger review uh, system come under a lot of scrutiny in the past year coming off of the Activision Microsoft sale and the decision to block that sale and then eventually clear it uh, with, with remedies. The lesson from that, it seemed for both the government and opposition, was that you don't want to create more obstacles to inbound investment. And I think the attitude that we've seen prevail, uh, at least when it comes to the CMA's intervention, I think probably speaks a bit for the NSIA as well. The UK on its own in a post-Brexit world, is it really worth uh, blocking inbound investment? I imagine that's one of the central questions that politicians will have to ask themselves.
0: Great. Jacob and Wahida, thanks very much. That was Wahida Ahmed and Jacob Parry. Thanks for listening to Dealcast presented by Merger Market and c Intralinks. Please rate, review, and follow the podcast. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us again next week.